You're listening to NCG Top 100s, a National Club Golfer podcast. Hello everyone, welcome once again to the NCG Top 100s podcast. In each episode, we try and take you into a virtual clubhouse and get the inside stories about the courses that feature in the ranking lists you can peruse on our website at nationalclubgolfer.com. I'm joined, as always, by the man who is ultimately responsible for putting these lists together, NCG Top 100s Chairman Dan Murphy. Welcome, as always, Dan. Thank you, Steve. Great to be here again. Today, we're visiting one of the finest links in the southwest of England. Designed by Harry Colt, Travose is a magnificent windswept stroll through rugged Cornwall coastline. A stern test and host of some of Britain's best amateur tournaments, the club has been in the Gammon family since the 1930s. Visited by future kings, the sight of the waves crashing into the headlands has captivated golfers for generations and will surely continue to do so for as long as the sport is played. So for an expert look into a course where you can see the sea from every hole, we are pleased to be joined by the club's managing director, Nick Gammon. Welcome, Nick. Thank you, Steve. Hi. So we talked about briefly there the uh, club being in the family since the 1930s. How did the family acquire the course and what has kept it such a priceless heirloom for you for following generations? Uh, the, it's sort of, the story is um, that I was told by dad, uh, his father used to, we had a, an engineering business, which was throughout the middle and far east. And basically his sanctuary when he came back to the UK was Cornwall. And back in the sort of 20s, it, it was quite a journey to get down here. So once you were here, you were well and truly on your own and away from the busy life of uh the, the head office in London and where he was in Singapore, etc. And uh, he fell in love with this place. And the then owner, uh, uh, Dr. Penrose Williams, basically was going to get rid of the golf course. Uh, his son was friends with Harry Colt. And for whatever reason, we don't know exactly how he got him down here, but he did to design the golf course to make use of the land because his father was really, really only interested in uh, revealing the St. Constantine's church that he knew about that had, but had been buried under a, a mountain of sand. So uh, he, the, the story I'm told by dad was that he was told he had to, Dr. Penrose Williams to buy all the land in order to uh, reveal this church, this hidden church, which he did for a small amount of money and then didn't know what to do with the rest of the land because he, he did drain it and made sure that uh, water was free flowing to the sea because it was a marshland area largely, of which um, after he'd done this, really it had a small amount of debt, but debt in the 20s uh, after the First World War, etc., probably was quite a burden and golf wasn't what it is now. So he was going to get rid of it. And my grandfather with his business partner, said, no, don't destroy it. We'll buy it off you and we'll try and make a go of it. So from there on, it's sort of, uh, our family was heavily involved uh, with dad taking over in the 50s uh, when he was old enough uh, to do so. And uh, from there, I, I guess it's sort of 
been part of our family and hopefully will remain so for many generations to come. Awesome. Uh, it's quite a story, and it, it, it must weigh heavily on you as the, uh, you know, as, as the latest incumbent of, um, of, of, of of such a gift that's been passed from generate one generation to the next. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it does come with a a family tag, well and truly attached to it. And uh, I've got a couple of brothers, a sister. Um, I've got a family. My younger brother's got a family. Um, so you know, there, there's yeah, there is a burden. It's a nice burden to have, but. Um, yeah, life, life as uh, I grew up down here with a younger brother, uh, life then was quite different to how it is now, just because, you know, general working environments are different, pressures are different. Um, and trying to keep it going and progressing forward it, it is still very much our in, intention and our goal. Um, but yeah, it, it, it comes certainly with a heavy burden now, or much more so than it ever used to be. Um, but it's still the, the goal and, well, the dream is so that the next generation are left with a, a place uh, that is in good order uh, and will see their futures and their children's futures as well. And for, for those who haven't been to um, Travos, can you just describe the, uh, the, the facilities you've got there? Because it's, um, it, uh, I, I, I hate using the word unique, but what you've got is very unusual in terms of the, the range of facilities on offer. Yeah. Well, I, I understand we were the first venue in the UK to actually have any self-catering accommodation around it. So the sort of going back to my grandfather, part of his view, vision on, on the future of Travose was to build a community around it. Um, because after the First World War and the Second World War, there were a number of uh, widows left. And there's a, there was an RAF base in the village and his view was look to build some houses in the area get some self-catering accommodation to bring people to the area um, so we have we now have quite decent uh well four four and five star accommodation self-catering which caters from sort of two to six people surrounding the club um, we've got three golf courses we've got the main championship 18 we've got a par three golf course and then a full length nine hole course um, uh, a, a new up-to-date uh, driving range and practice facilities with with all the uh, gizmos that you get nowadays. Um, we've got tennis courts, three of those, out, outdoor tennis courts, and an outdoor swimming pool, which we've got planning permission now to convert to a, an outdoor indoor pool, and we're building a spa around it. So, yeah, that's to try and with the with Cornwall being as it is, it's so seasonal. We're trying to extend that season and, and give people a reason to be out of season and down here. So, yeah, that's that's the the latest development. So that hopefully in the winter there's something for children to do and mums and dads also when dad's out playing golf or mum's out playing golf, the other can be indoors doing that. Yeah, and, and um, before we concentrate on the the course, which is uh, obviously what we're here for, I mean, I, I should just say that um, Travos um, is truly um, a family friendly uh, environment. And from I've been lucky enough to visit myself, and uh, and my, my fondest memory is you know is having a drink on the patio um, and seeing groups of families go out and play one after the other, and you know, and it, it's, it's it's nieces and nephews and aunties and uncles and grandparents, you know, very generational. Um, 
and it's people people coming from their holiday and just being very very comfortable and it it's not often that you see that on the, on the course of Travosa's stature um but it it is very very informal i guess is the feel of it um, yeah. so it's a it's a it's a lovely place to play yeah one of one of our usps i think is that it's it's a location that encourages families in a relaxed atmosphere while also providing all level of golf from the pros. We've got the stage of the Legends Tour event uh, this year, um, down to your your beginners on the par three course, and everyone is welcome. And um, you know, we aren't uh, hung up too much on, on on dress codes and everything else. It's more about enjoying the experience and being all inclusive. So, and you do, as you say. I mean, we have more young lady golfers down here than I ever see anywhere else in the, in the country playing. And, and I think that's part of the attraction is that it, it's not intimidating from a sort of playability uh, concept because you have got two nine hole courses as well as uh, the championship. So, yeah, we try and encourage all levels of golfer. And, uh, and it, I think uh, the number of repeat families, uh, family bookings we get shows that. And a lot of people have grown up from a very young age, learning their golf on the short course to conquering it when they're single figures or, or better and uh, on, the, on the, the championship course. So, yeah, it, it's something for everyone. OK, let's get into the uh, the, the, the championship course. Uh, and I, I just wondered if, if, in your own words, you could just describe what awaits um, uh, the golfer, uh, just the, the, you know, the style of the course and the, um, the, the, the challenge it poses uh, and, and just what, what to look forward to. Yeah, well, the moment you drive into the car park, the scene is set. Um, you're looking out over the Atlantic, um, sand dunes, and you can see the entire Championship 18. It's We've done, over the last six years, quite a bit of renovation uh, with Mackenzie and Ebert, uh, who have not totally remodeled the course, but we've rebunkered it re-exposed a lot of the overgrown areas um, and on the dune side so they're now bare sand areas but it is one of the one of the great i remember richard boxall saying the first time he came here he loved it because you could see the bar from every hole um it, it you are set up <laughs> i know appropriate isn't it <laughs> but you you say the clubhouse is set up above the golf course looking down on it so you you can literally see nearly all 18 holes from the patio looking out from the bar um so you are it's a it's a traditional links in that sense um it's not really sand juni uh the dunes do do uh, sort of frame the golf course but um it's not incredibly hilly but it, it's a good challenge and what looks reasonably inviting when the wind blows can be very very less so yeah, and, it, and it's a it's it's a big golf course, isn't it? It's a it's, yeah. it's a big piece of land. Um, so for just for you know to, for those who haven't been, um, it, it's it's the opposite of one of those links courses where it, where it's hemmed in between you know say a railway line and the coast. The, yeah. the feeling the feeling at Travos is very much one of space, isn't it? That's a, that's a big feature of the course. Yeah, it's it's three hundred acres, so it, we're, it's a bigger state, uh, and you basically look out yeah directly over to, over the sea and uh, the Travos head. So yeah, it, it it is a very big piece of land, but um, it, it's the number of people I see drive into the car park uh, and just uh, stand there looking because it is a spectacular opening. 
Yeah, it is. It's absolutely epic, isn't it? Right, right from the start, and uh, and uh, an absolutely incredible opening hole there. Um, yeah. So let's just talk about the work that I, that I know uh, Mackenzie and Ebert have been doing in 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 recent years. And uh, again, in in your own words, can you describe what it was like working with them and 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 what they told you uh, when they had a look around? Yeah, so we, well, I, I, I met with Tom McKenzie. Tom deals with sort of most of the south of the country. Um, Martin um, was too busy. He does sort of a lot more of the open venues, um, which keep him pretty much tied up. So met with Tom, who had done recent works at Saunton, um, and I liked what he had done. Um, and on our first meeting, I mean, he, he was, I wasn't sure what to expect because we haven't worked with an architect before. Um, but he was incredibly thorough. Um, he wanted, before he did anything, to go through the entire history or what they could find out about uh, Colt's work, um, dates, any imagery they might have. Unfortunately, with the, just after the First World War, a lot of the imagery of this area was removed from records because of um, not wanting the Germans to know landing spots, etc. So, the early photographs are pretty much, there's very few of them he could find. But what he did find was quite remarkable because actually the golf course has changed very little in length in its entirety. Um, and a lot of the bunkers that have gone back in now w had been removed um, probably back in the old days. You know, they thought it was too much hassle getting out of a bunker or someone was losing bets. I don't know. But uh, so they, they did a lot of restoration of bunkers. We've gone to a natural naturalized bunker that it used to be. We, we had, went through a period where we put in reverted bunkers. But um, so it's now very consistent throughout. And Tom, Tom was incredibly detailed with his approach on every hole. He, he's three or four times he would visit before drawing up plans. Um, and after the first year, of working with Tom, um, we did two or three holes that time. And me and and uh, Neil, my course manager, understanding how it works, how he operates, um, it became incredibly easy because it was there was very little to be changed. And he wasn't uh, pernickety about it. if we didn't like something when the project was being done, it was just an instant change um, because you know nothing's perfect these days, is it? So. Uh, the willingness to change without being um, too picky about it has, has made life incredibly easy. So, yeah, great experience working with them and, and very, very thorough about with what, what they do and how they approach it. It must be very, very difficult um, inviting somebody in to look at your pride and joy. Um, I, I wonder, were, were you surprised by the kind of things that, uh, that he said or, or were you sort of nodding along from the start and going, yeah, I thought you'd say that? Not not really no i mean his his sort of uh first question to me is what what do you want to achieve and why do you want to achieve it so that it gave him an understanding as to where to pitch it and then it was a to what level we want to go to because obviously it comes with a price and um yeah we, we've spent an awful lot of money doing it but it's worthwhile uh uh so yeah i mean there is there's always I consult with the family about it and they were all totally on board and we all understood what we needed to achieve and we weren't looking for monstrous changes. It was just fine tuning and sort of finishing the picture, as it were, the un, unfinished picture that we had 
we wanted to polish it up and just give people a bit more wow at certain times and and maybe some of the changes that happened in the 80s 90s and early 2000s weren't quite in keeping with what we wanted um and we appreciate that and we were happy to change it and and try and make it right and i think what we've what we have now is spectacular and uh, can you just explain again to, to to people who are perhaps not that familiar with the area just when you're coming down to uh, to, to cornwall um how you would put a trip together and, and and where you ought to play and just how the courses fit together yeah so we are part of a, a group called the atlantic links um which we formed probably 15 years ago um uh, with the view that you start at one end of the southwest and you work your way up or down so we're linked obviously with st Enidot, um just across the water it's about three miles away and then raw north devon saunton in Devon and then Burnham up in Somerset. So if you were putting a, a, a trip together, depending on how many days you've got, you would either try and I mean, if you wanted a really good trip, you would do the whole thing. But it is a week, uh, week's golf, really. Um, otherwise, you, you'd maybe look at a, a Cornwall swing with perhaps a game on the way out or a game on the way back or a Devon Somerset swing. Um, but so I mean, yeah, that's how I would recommend it. But alternatively, if you're looking for more off-piste um, golf and just staying in Cornwall, then sort of you've got Newquay and Perranporth that are half an hour down the road from us. Um, again, links golf. Uh, depending on what type of golf you're wanting, there are some inland courses as well. But I guess if you're coming to Cornwall, primarily you're coming for a for a seaside um, experience as opposed to any inland. But so, yeah, I mean, there, there are a number of loops you can do and it depends on the, the, the length of stay. Um, and I would probably we have our, our most popular stay would be two nights with us playing two days here with St. Enidoc in between. Yeah, no, that's um, that's uh, that, that's very helpful. And just just going back to the the, the specifics of, um, uh, of of the recent redesign. So my my understanding, and uh, so it's five or six years since I've been down myself. Although, um, as you know, I'm hoping to well, I'm yeah. going to rectify that this summer. I'm very much looking forward to seeing that. Uh, so 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 actually, there are um, a couple of new greens, aren't there? That was that. I guess that's the the, the headline news. Apart from apart from the bunkering, can you just describe which greens are new and 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 why why it was felt that they need to create new greens? Um. The first new green that you would come to um, if you played it a few years ago and you, you'll experience it is the fourth green, which is our signature hole. And it's it's right out overlooking Boobies Bay and Travaux's head. Um, it was going back at you, the, the old it's not contrary to what a lot of people think. The old green that was there wasn't the original. It was moved, I think, in the 50s by the then no, maybe even earlier, 40s, by the then owner's, well, Dr. Penrose Williams' daughter um, owned, there's a little hut beside that hole, and it was all included within a package anyway, and she insisted on the green that used to be further left, which was more or less in her front garden being moved, which back in the 50s, I think it was, it was moved to the right, and it was sunken low, with a sort of a banking around it. And although it was our signature hole, it wasn't, in our view, and 
chatting with Tom McKenzie, it wasn't dramatic enough because you should be looking at the sea as opposed to being sunken down below a bank protecting the sea. So the, the, the green that's been built there is now three times the size. I mean, it is enormous. Um, and you look down on the beach below um, and it, it's, a, it's a really striking green and something that people will remember. So that's the first of the greens um, we did. We slightly remodeled our seventh green because it was too severe on the back. So you couldn't use enough of the pin positions. Um, to anyone visiting, they may not remember, um, but there was, a, there was a big hump on the left-hand side on the top shelf. That's all gone and been leveled. We built two, three years ago now, I've lost a year in my head because of lockdown. And so I think it was three years ago, maybe two, a new 11th green. Um, again, the green was so severe, uh, back to front, you could only really put the pins on the top back of the green and they needed to be fairly central. It's a par three, it plays like an island green. And years ago, I used to uh, sort of run our halfway house there as a student uh, and we did, a, we did a count throughout the summer and it worked out uh, that there would be no more than 10 people in a day actually land and keep the ball on the green, which sort of gives you a sort of an idea of the difficulty of it. And it, because mm. it's about 200 yards anyway. So we've, um, he's created a much bigger green by probably a third again now, and it's got three, three layers to it, which gives us a huge number of pin positions, but also a much fairer challenge. The, the slope up to the green is more gradual. So it does mean that the, the sort of the less able golfers, um, and let's face it, the average golfing handicap, I think is about 16, will be able to miss hit a shot and it will run up onto the front of the green. It won't give you an easier putt because you've then got a 40 yard putt over three levels, but it it's a much better green and fairer green for everyone to play into. And that's sort of, those, those are our main two, the fourth and the 11th. And yeah, we've got a, we're, we're going to be attacking the 17th green next year so that we can include the front stream. Uh, there's a stream which runs in front of 17 and it'll bring that burn very much in, into play. But at the moment, it's too severe to slope on the green to put a pin near the front. Um, but I haven't got uh, Tom's plans to hand to, to sort of talk that through properly. It's a, it's a, a, a massive problem, isn't it? That when you lift certain parts of the course, you know, like anything, it then makes you want to go and and do other bits as well, yeah. doesn't it? You know, like if you redecorate a room in your house, uh, you, know, you know, it makes you realise, you know. Totally, totally. I mean, it's been almost the worst torture you can have because my office overlooks the golf course and you do as much as you can each year, which is two, three holes or whatever. They're not all major changes, but you see it happening and you see what what potentially the next five years ahead of you is looking like. And you you do want it all done now. Um, if I had a crystal ball with the last two two winters of lockdowns or, or two last 12 months of lockdown, I would have done an awful lot more in that because it, it would have been the perfect opportunity to take it out of play without anyone having to uh, to worry about it. But anyway, it's uh, we're, we are almost almost there. We've probably got another year, maybe two years of, of tweaking to do. But he's also he is working on our headland course as well. So sort of a bit more than just a championship. 
just just give us an idea of somebody who's obviously grown up playing Travose about the what 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 are the skills that you need to um, to, to to build a um, a decent score. What 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 do you value the most? You know, what, what do you notice when it's when it's malfunctioning? What does it you know what costs you the most? <laughs> I could tell you about malfunctioning regularly, <laughs> actually. Uh, you need you, a decent a decent driving game is important, and um, because the course is quite long. Um, Although currently, as dry as it is, it's not that long. Um, it is quite long. So you do use most of the clubs in your bag around here. It's not a case of a drive and a wedge ever. It's a drive, a five iron, a four iron, a six and a seven. So I would say primarily you need you need a good driving game um, and a good short game uh, because we've got a lot more drop offs, slopes around greens now than we used to. Um, and having a good touch is important. I mean, like anything, if you can putt well, then then that beats most people anyway. But um, I, I would say a good long game, a reasonable amount of control with your irons, but fundamentally being able to chip and putt around greens for, for when you miss it will help keep the scoring going. Yeah, no, so that sounds fair enough. I, mean, the, the, I guess the only thing I'd add to that is it, it's just um, a course where it feels like there's scope for to play lots of different shots to me, just because of yeah. the, it, it, it. You know, it's it's so open that it it feels that if you're one of those golfers who um, you know who likes to be a bit creative, that there's uh, the scope to do things in lots of different ways. I think there are there are you you can yeah you, you by all means you don't need to. I'm I'm more of a I like just to take it on and and hit it as hard as I can. But yeah, you're right. You don't need to be playing it like that. You can shape shot i mean the bunkering now is strategic so it does make you think about how you're going to play holes so if you can run shots in shape them use the wind uh then it's useful um i think understanding how to play in wind is critical because like any links golf they're, they're barely two days are the same so one day you're uh you, you, you've got a little breeze the next day you've got a howling gale right to left and you've got to know how to use it, use it or hold it against that wind to, to create and give you the opportunity to score well yeah well it's, you've um, well and truly whetted my appetite um so i'm i'm, I'm very much look, looking forward to returning and looking forward to seeing some of the changes uh, hopefully in the summer good yeah I, well i'm sure you'll enjoy it. and just yeah It'll it'll be good fun, and you I you you will be impressed with the changes. I know because it's been if you haven't been down for five or six years, then it's dramatically different. Well, thanks for joining us, Nick. But we're not going to let you get away with it that easily. We're going to put you on the spot if that's okay. As you may know, we are reinvigorating our top 100 rankings for England this year, and we ask all of our guests to tell us their top three golf courses in England. So, what would your perfect trio be? Uh, perfect trio. That is difficult. I mean, without any shadow of a doubt, Sunningdale, um, I, old or new, I really don't mind. I love that complex. It, it's, it's my favorite venue and I'd be very happy playing my golf there all my days. So that would definitely make my top three. Um, really it's got to be Lynx golf courses and, Gosh, it's difficult, really. There's so many lovely courses. That, You're um, telling me it's difficult. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, Saunton is uh, the, the East Course I do love, and I've always had a fond memory uh, 
fond memories of playing that. So, I mean, that's always up there. Um, Burnham, I also love. Um, and I guess I'd, I'd probably sort of staying a bit southwesty for that purely because I play those venues more, but they always stick in my mind as being favourites. But, you know, I mean, Woburn's another one. It's tremendous that. Well, I think we'll uh, allow you to have a clear <laughs> southwestern bias. Um, I think I think anyone who's listening would expect that. And there's and the trio, of course, is there that you've picked out uh, with a couple of added extras as well. I mean, a, a, a perfect day trips for anybody. Um, we wish you all the best, Nick, with Travos this year. And we'd point anyone who is looking to get away on a staycation, um, hopefully as restrictions are eased, to um, to try Travos. They won't regret it. Thanks for joining us, Nick. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, Nick. And thank you, Dan, as well. And we look forward to speaking again on another uh, episode of NCG Top 100's podcast in the near future. Thank you. Thank you. And you can view all of our ranking lists by clicking on to our website, nationalclubgolfer.com, and heading over to the NCG Top 100's banner. Thanks for joining us on NCG Top 100's podcast. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank <laughs> you.